Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic. Joined, as always, by Ann Thompson from Thompson & Hollywood out in L.A. And while I'm kind of enjoying a break from the festival circuit, and you're back in the thick of it with AFI Fest, which kicked off last night. You saw By the Sea, Angelina Jolie's new movie with uh, her husband, Brad Pitt. And it sounds like you thought it was okay, right? That's, the, that's actually the, exactly the right way to describe it. It's <laughs> You know what it is? is it's, 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 they are such good movie stars that even though there's very much nothing going on, you know, and it's incredibly languid and they're on, they're at this beautiful resort on, on the coast of Malta and, you know, he's drinking and she's popping pills and there's something wrong, but we don't know exactly what it is. And, and then it takes this turn, you know, he's drinking too much, you know, whatever. It takes this turn and, and, and she looks like, you know, she looks like Monica Vitti, you know, sort of wandering the hills. In a I'm sure that's intention, intentional, you know, right? Absolutely. I mean, this is all Euro porn. You know, it's it's basically so vintage art house, well, wannabe art house, inspirational. Well, it gets art erotic. House. It gets. They're watching the couple next door, the young nubile French couple, Melanie Laurent and Melville Poub, whatever his name is, Poubert. They're they're having hot and heavy, and they're looking at them through the peephole, right? So this is the part of the movie that's sort of fun. You know, it's sort of kinky and fun and but they're doing they're trying to do cassavetes i mean at the at the at basically at the um it's about actors wanting to act and have something interesting to do it's a it's scenes from a marriage you know through the lens of 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 sort of 60s european art films but see, that's, that's literally kind what of they're a, trying to do that sounds kind of Interesting. I mean, I wonder if, if this was a movie that didn't star two of the most famous actors in the world, would there still be anything there worth appreciating? Well, the fact is, is that you like looking at them. I mean, finally, that's the, that's what struck me. I, so I sort of sat there. Literally, you're, there are these long shots with Angelina sort of draping her legs on a <laughs> chaise lounge while she's having a glass of wine, or or Brad Pitt smoking and staring morosely <laughs> off. And you know, they're really, uh, you know, miserably unhappy and and grieving over something, and and you know, not communicating, not having sex, you know, and and they sort of come together watching this couple next door and will it reignite their marriage well it just sounds very meta too because i mean you see even in the trailer it seems as if part of the selling point here is seeing these actors if not playing fictionalized versions of themselves and at least inviting that kind of question whether or not there is a personal element here. Well, if you they've been married for 14 years in the movie. I mean, I think Pitt and Jolie have been together a long time. They haven't been married. They shot this on their honeymoon, right? right? And uh, it's the first time they've been together since Mr. and Mr. Smith. So so I think um, I, I think there'll be some curiosity. But it, 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 I found it interesting that they were hanging out with Gina Rollins last night at the AFI party. Oh, wow. You know? 
<laughs> so that's where they're going. I, and also, you know what, just on, a, on an industry level, it just struck me when I was talking to Reese Witherspoon about Wild or talking to Sandra Bullock about um, uh, Our Brand is Crisis. And, and then, you know, it, these, these, these people who are at the absolute top of the food chain uh, women are getting it especially hard, but it's men and women. You know, there's no roles. There's, they're, they're somehow they these actors are not getting shown the scripts that would actually ignite their interest. In well, everybody's get, everybody gets boxed in under a certain set of expectations. But other, the other thing is, isn't it just really hard to sell star power these days? I mean, that's just not the kind of commercial hook it used to be. At least it is not on if you're. Own. Jolie and Pitt. I mean, all the Universal brass were there. Those two are still real movie stars. When but was the last time they were in movies that performed really well? And was it with Brad Pitt? It was probably World War Z, right? A zombie that performed movie. very well. But that, that was, was a one of his movie. biggest films. But you remember, neither of them has been chasing box office. She turned down the Wanted sequel. Wanted was a huge hit. Um, you know, she's when she does commercial work, it works. Except for that horrible Johnny Depp the movie. Tourist. Yeah. Right. But but you know she's 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 got it. It's just a question of of her own taste. Um, you know she's obviously interested in pursuing other things. Is this a movie that's on the technical level something that that's worth talking about more significantly? Because I noticed that Kristen Berger did the cinematography. I mean, it's he beautiful. Shot all these Michael Haneke movies. You know, it's beautiful. Are, the White Ribbon is just one of the most gorgeous films I've seen in the past decade so just you know and Alan Mirajnik did the did, did the costumes and and you know everything is top drawer I mean that's the thing if you're Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt you can get the best people and um, and it's 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 really it's actually a little dull is the thing it's just but but you're watching those two people and you can't take your eyes off them so it's sort of like there's no there there except that couple and by the way, she did too much. She wrote, she directed, she produced, she stars in it, and he gives a better performance than she does, and, 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 and she's obviously fascinated with looking at him. And it's, it's, it's sort of an interesting, you're right, there is a meta level to this. It's interesting. Well, and I was also reading But the screenplay is very weak. That's the big problem. Well, I, I was reading that there, there is a personal element on some level, or at least an autobiographical component to uh, her own parents' marriage. John Voight had some affair, and, and, and that may have fed some of her own kind of childhood experiences watching a broken marriage. And, that there and may she's still some... grieving the death of her mother, and she didn't reference that at the top of the uh, introduction. Uh, mm-hmm. That this movie has an, an element of, of, of these. This couple is dealing with some kind of grief. How did it play in the room? I mean, they if I fast quiet, quiet. That's a it's a fair. You're sitting there, letting it wash over you. It's 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 a it's an art film, really. But it sounds like an aspirational art film. Correct. It's putting you in that mode rather than just inviting correct. you into it. So that's correct. I mean, I'd love to, to, to put together a list of the movies that inspired this one and, and, and kind of go, go that route. But seeing it in this context just makes me wonder you know, what the studio expected to get out of the whole thing. If it's, they're just trying to placate Angelina Jolie or, or what? Any what is studio that? is going to want to be in business with her and Brad Pitt. And if she owes them a, a movie, they're, they're, you know, she's still developing Cleopatra over at Sony. Oh, That's boy. one I'd love to see her do. Absolutely. For years now. 
Yes, it's been, you know, Eric Roth wrote the screenplay and there were, you know, emails that we all know about, obviously. But um, I think I think that uh, she's got plenty of great movies ahead of her. Well, the final question that comes up in relation to this sort of thing is whether or not it's actually an awards contender. And it sounds not. like no. N-O. N-O spells no. Not even not for all. technical stuff, cinematography? I don't or? think so. I don't think so. I, I, I can't imagine that it's going to do well at the box office. I think there will be, as I said, some curiosity um, drawing people in. But the, the reviews will tell the tale. And the reviews are negative to mixed. But the... I mean, the Academy likes these people, right? I mean, Angelina Jolie's an Oscar winner. Brad's been nominated before. Unbroken didn't do that well with the with the Academy Awards. I mean, it's 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 really um, when she did that roundtable, uh, the director's roundtable. It was so obvious for for the you know how the Hollywood Reporter puts people together, and that's the one where Mike Lee sort of gave her a hard time. Mm. It, she was definitely the 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 sore thumb that stuck out in that you know the the person that wasn't supposed to be there and 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 it isn't that she's a woman it's that or it's or that she's a movie star which is why they put her on there it's it's that she hasn't directed that many movies so i i applaud her go ahead make more movies make mistakes learn your craft that's what everybody has to do i just find it fascinating that you know you have the autonomy to do whatever you want and and this is what you do I mean, there are so many other great filmmakers out there who couldn't have that sort of leeway but might do something more exciting or better. I mean, maybe maybe the solution... Look, I could argue with you that she's a better director than George Clooney. <laughs> okay? Well, Clooney keeps This is a better trying. movie than Monuments Men. But I... Okay? I, I, I mean, that's true. <laughs> and Talk I don't about think we're questioning hack. George Clooney's you know, uh, write to write and direct and produce movies if he wants to. So I'm not questioning hers. But I, I, well, I mean, there's an interesting point of comparison there in terms of stars doing what they want. I mean, Clooney's done so many, worked in so many different modes. I mean, look at Good Night and Good Luck or his first movie. That happened to hit the sweet spot. For whatever reason, the way that was written, directed, the degree to which they figured out the right form that it should take, the, the way that the actors delivered it, that was the best movie he's ever made. So speaking of movie stars, there's another one who's contending for attention at AFI Fest this year, and I know we haven't seen it yet, but it's something worth anticipating, which is Concussion with Will Smith. We haven't really seen Will Smith do anything that successful in the last couple of years, but when he did the Muhammad Ali movie, that, that worked out He was very well good him. in that. So there, there's some relatively positive buzz, as far as I can tell, around his performance in this movie. There's certainly some kind of campaign coming together. I know there are events in New York planned along with AFI. I'm just going to wait to see it. I, I have no idea. My, my, I'm skeptical, to tell you the truth. Look, this is a very uh, overheated, crowded uh, season, and you have to be... I mean, I'm not dismissing By the Sea as an Oscar contender because it's bad. I'm dismissing it because it isn't good enough, you know? Right. And, and the question is, you know, you can't afford to be to um, like Brooklyn. I, I love Brooklyn. I've seen it twice. I've examined it carefully. It, it, it's in there. And I think Saoirse Ronan, I'm coming around to that, that she's probably in there, probably at the expense of Suffragette and, and Carrie Mulligan. But, but I wonder um, if it, you know, sometimes the quiet, this is a case where maybe the, which by the way, it's opened well, it's done okay. It opened on Wednesday ahead of, of the weekend. Um, 
I, I'm wondering, you know, if it's sometimes the, the, the movies that are too quiet can't can't get the noise that they need, and and, and so the, it's it's an interesting question. Something old fashioned is happening. The 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 Martian and 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 Bridge of Spies and Brooklyn are are the ones that are are getting a lot of of positive response from the Academy. It's very interesting to me. I wonder if there's something there going on just in terms of how studios are choosing to present that kind of material versus other kinds of possibilities. I mean, it just I don't know what you mean. And because, because Spielberg is Spielberg, he gets to do what he wants to do. It's not what the studio wants. Well, they have no choice of, in the matter, but really. They, but don't they choose what they want to throw their weight behind in, during award season? If it's a Spielberg movie, mm. they're, they're going to throw their weight behind it, mm. of course. But this movie, I mean, it's just not one of his best. I mean, it's good. It doesn't seem like this year, like like you said with By the Sea, which, I, again, you know, I haven't seen it, but, I mean, it just seems like one of those situations where a movie like that, how does that stand out as one of the big Oscar contenders when... The reason Bridge of Spies is going to make it is because even if you or I can say where it falls in the Spielberg canon, as people are experiencing it this year, what it has is this um, incredibly heroic, it's a lot like The Martian. <laughs> it's, it's another hero who, you know, um, celebrates uh, American ingenuity and smarts and goodness, goodness. And, and that's also part of what the, the, the Brooklyn celebrates goodness and love and I guess you could the put finer Spotlight in that category, too. And so does Spotlight. And so these are all movies, and perhaps given the world we live in right now, sometimes the Oscar race comes down to the zeitgeist, to where we to, are To, to movies in, that, today. that I think are maybe played a little bit safer, too. I mean... This year. Let's not even get started on... You know whether Son of Saul can pierce this conversation. I mean, maybe I'm gonna... hearing bad reactions coming, and and I'm horrified by this. But it, you know, the Academy is made up of a wide range of people with many different tastes, and some of them are capable of uh, appreciating Ida, you know, which did very well, which is a very sophisticated, beautiful movie about the Holocaust, and so is Son of Saul. But it's a it may be too rough for some and and that leads some people to to kind of disparage the movie as a result which is just infuriating i agree you critics are gonna have to come through on son of saul i i direct you forthwith (laughs) thanks for the permission ann i've been seeing too much shakespeare i went i saw benedict cumberbatch uh in the national theater live uh performance of hamlet and then i saw uh, Macbeth this week so i'm i've got shakespeare on the brain you're in a theatrical mood what else is new i have to say though the 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 movie story that's been most infuriating to me just this past week is the situation with Quentin Tarantino and the police boycott, which, I mean, first of all, let's let's just let Hateful Eight come out and then police can kind of go back to what they're doing. It just feels like such a hijacking of the narrative associated with this You know what I movie. heard last night, though? Tell me. I heard, I heard a theory that, that, that on some level... Harvey let's did just, it. Let, let, exactly. <laughs> let, let's just let's just. Why was he in New York for that rally? 
Why was he? Th- he's not political. Quentin's not political. I mean, I've never. Well, never he seen is. Him he's do. inherently political because he in his writing, he is, and I'm sure he believes political sincerely correctness. all this stuff. I'm sure he yeah. does, and he's handling it. I think he's handling it very well. The danger. Here's the thing. You've got two westerns opening on Christmas Day. Period westerns. One is the Revenant. One is the Hateful Eight. One is a real all out actioner out there in the in the wild, you know, horses, guns, <laughs> frozen wastes. And this, the other one's, cl- everybody, cl- these bad people closed up inside a house, 10 Little Indian style, yeah. you know. So, so what, you know, one has Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. The other one has Bruce Stern and Kurt Russell. And, and Jennifer Sam Jackson. Jason, like, I mean, you and Sam Jackson. Point. All right. I just, I think that the Weinstein Co. is a little nervous there's a lot at stake. They're not in the best financial shape. They need to pull this out. I've underestimated Spike, uh, Spike listen to me, uh, Quentin many times uh, as far as his box office potential. Yeah. And maybe this is going to come through, but I, I, I think they're nervous. Well, the trailer did drop the, right after, the most recent one, right after this uh, MSNBC interview he did where he was talking about First Amendment rights and stuff like that. So conspiracy theories are, are maybe not entirely off base. I mean, certainly... For a movie like this, a little bit of controversy doesn't hurt. They had him do that Brett Easton Ellis profile where he said something to the effect of, you know, if you write about black culture, you have to deal with me at some point or another. And this was something I was talking to, to about recently, which is that as, as obnoxious as he can sometimes come across, it's not unearned entirely, and he remains a cultural force. The fact that he could show up at that boycott and stimulate a dialogue and not really have to worry about repercussions the way that a lot of people might is kind of extraordinary. Well, one of the things that 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 you that I realized is is that you and I both know this because we work on 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 a big website, IndieWire. If you write about Tarantino, you get hits. Sure. I mean, he is he is a very big celebrity director in a world where there aren't very many and he and michael moore and spielberg and scorsese and and herzog for whatever reason you know they they and draw Bellatar. I, I mean it yeah looked, every they draw eyeballs because it, filmmakers who are artists who stick to their guns and do something not only unique and consistent but well tend to develop really robust followings. It's not Comic-Con level fandom, but it's something like that. It's a very But he faithful... goes to Comic-Con and he knows what he's right. doing when there he goes there. There is a crossover there. There is a, there is a Comic-Con level fandom here. Yeah, and, and, and to that extent, I mean, it does seem like... I'm saying it is that, that big. Yeah, and it, that's it, why the news cycle is gr- grabbing... The, you, you know, you can watch the you can watch the political race. You can watch all this stuff and recognize that that people chase Donald Trump. God forbid. I hope everyone doesn't watch Saturday Night Live. I hope no Ooh. one covers it. Yeah. I think it's terrible that they're putting him on. But the point is, all these organizations chase the eyeballs, and when they know they're going to come, they chase them. Right, and that's like- why Tarantino's in in the center of this of this uh, you know media controversy. Oh yeah, I mean it's just the whole, the whole thing it's it is it, just uh, it shows you the best and the worst elements of our culture today and but I don't think politics is a good way to sell a movie. I just don't. I think you want to sell the movie. Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, so uh, 
was it a week or so ago, we were talking about how the new Spike Lee movie got a December 4th release date, prime Oscar season territory. Now we've seen the trailer. That looks like a pretty political movie. Lysistrata, you know, imported to contemporary Chicago dealing with gang violence in, in a musical format. I mean, Spike is back, right? I am excited by this. I think he's in his sweet spot. In this case, I think Spike Lee and Michael Moore are more like each other than Mm. Tarantino is like either of them in the sense that politics has always been Spike's M.O. And he knows what his fan base wants. And he he had to go on and and sort of address them with with a follow-up to the trailer that that he had put out um, because people didn't understand what it was and they didn't understand the humor that he was putting you know it's a satire and he's you know he's 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 actually and people a lot of people who, who would go to see a Spike Lee movie don't know Liz Estrada mm. so you know that say, source is is not familiar to them so. you know it's funny uh I one of the other challenges here is that I think Spike Lee's brand needs to be reintroduced to a larger audience I mean the last few years he's been working in, on on a much smaller scrappier scale and this is a movie that, that it's going to be released in a different way I mean I shared this trailer with my NYU class last week and my students a lot of them we're not all that familiar with his work, and I don't blame and you. Can, he's, and he's a professor at NYU. Sure, but I mean, that's not part of the curriculum to watch all these <laughs> movies that predate when you were born or became a cinephile. I know. You Do know? the Right Thing was like 1989. Exactly. It's amazing. It's, it's going yeah. back a ways. And, but it is amazing to think also that a movie like Malcolm X was, was done on the studio level some 20 years ago, and, and this is not that, but it's still a bigger scale, and a movie people will hear about. It's got some stars. It's got, you know. But really he's got a big fan base. Too, and he's he's someone like Kevin Smith who's figured out how to how to deal directly with his fans. He's able to go to Kickstarter and raise decent amounts of money. You know, he's a sharp cookie, Spike. He's a, got a great marketing gene in him. He knows how to play the game, and he knows, as you said last week, he knows. You know, he's like a one man uh, publicity machine. Oh yeah, but but I what saw I him. learned he was at, at the New York Marathon, he was at the at the. No, end. he knows <laughs> what he's doing. No, but here's the thing: I'm not sure this is an Oscar movie. I think that uh, Amazon. On, and uh, I've spoken to some of the people over there. Uh, they they they're following Spike's lead on this. Spike wants to get out during this time frame. He wants to, he's getting the uh, governor's award, right? He's going to be getting some publicity from that on November the fourteenth. He's 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 doing the Black Lives Matter thing. He is taking to the airwaves. So he's this is his crusade. This is his marketing machine, and they're servicing him. Well, he's got a lot of Twitter followers, and that's not something you can underestimate, nor is the fact that the movie looks like it's a lot of fun. I mean, Can't wait. Spike, uh, Samuel Jackson at the end of the t- trailer just going, peace! I mean, I, f- I showed that trailer to some people, and they, and they were just like, wow, that looks like a lot of, that's a good time. I mean, the fact But it's also he, a hot-button issue. It's yeah. all, I mean, it's the same, in, in a way, Spike and Tarantino are on well, uh, if Spike you know, Lee, the same side here. If Spike Lee, Michael Moore, and, and, and Quentin Tarantino wind up being the major 
players at the end of this year who are kind of defining the conversations we have about movies. I feel pretty good about American film culture. I have a feeling that Star Wars is going to creep into that conversation a little bit too. Though I don't know what the Oscar potential there is. It's in the past, it was the only the first Star Wars that got major nominations, and after that, it was you know it's just a, 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 the technicals. It's the same with so, Indiana Jones too. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see about that. I mean, it's going to be a huge culture shift, and and it'll be a huge box office behemoth. But I'm um, assuming JJ gets it right, which so far all the signs are good. I, I feel good about it. I From what I saw before, at, at Comic Con to now, yeah, I feel very good. Well, I have said before that I don't pay close attention to trailers, but I'm so fascinated by the extent to which the, the trailers are a necessity in this context that they have to kind of affirm for so many fans from many generations that this is what you want it to be that we've we're seeing so much of this movie to the point where the international trailer that dropped today was was the most revealing one yet even though jj had already said no more trailers here comes another one with more footage and you know that there are things that are correct about this visually because to some extent Star Wars fans don't go to Star Wars for the perfection of the, the story. They go for the world. They've been Listen, living let's in that not, world. I, it is totally about entering, re-entering that universe, but also, I mean, let's just let's just be clear. J.J. Abrams, who did a fantastic job with Star Trek, the reinvention of Star Trek, it was right, it was, it was so note-perfect I couldn't believe it. You know, just the way Sam Mendes did a great job with James Bond, you know, mm-hmm. he really with Skyfall. He got it right. He knew when to have the martini and when to have the sex with the first Bond girl. You know, he sort of knew where the beats were. You know, and so and so I think that that JJ has an ear for that and a sense of how to do that, as well as having George Lucas looking over and Kathleen Kennedy looking over his shoulder. Uh, he's a better filmmaker than George Lucas. Okay. He just is. And, I don't and a know. Better writer, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I was. I. I thought technically, from a technical perspective, the Star Trek movies were fine. I. I he throws in a lot of snazzy stuff. We all know about the lens flare cliche. I, I found the characters a little bland. I think sometimes the action goes on too long. It's a little confusing. I don't. None, none of those well, movies stick in my follow mind. Follow up wasn't as good. I, I think Lucas. Lucas in his well. prime yeah, had a vision. Perfect. But no, no, we're not talking about Lucas in his prime. We're talking about he created something that has endured that is a huge right. deal, and I give him all due credit for that. I'm talking about somebody behind the camera today who, you know, the la- you know the last few Star Wars movies were Sucked. woeful, okay? So, so someone who really knows how to use the camera now and, and how to tell a story now well, and also story, has the we'll sense... See. To recognize that you need new blood, you need you need you need a, uh, you know, Gwendolyn Christie as a a, a stormtrooper, and and you need you need um, you need you need a, a a black character, you need a woman, you need you need to have the genuinely aging in an appropriate time frame Harrison Ford and, and Carrie uh, Fisher it's and you know and who and where is Luke we don't know Ooh, you know. creepy I've, I've been reading <laughs> the comic books they've been putting out which are actually canon and they're great I mean the universe of Star Wars is maybe one of the most brilliant cultural 
uh, coups of all time. When you think about the the way in which everything fits together, there's a, there's a Darth Vader comic book that's out right now that takes place between episode four and five. But I, I just it's so tightly written and it just shows you how how much depth you can keep kind of looking for in this scenario. I don't know if if the the Star Wars movie necessarily needs to get there because we can see that the world is there. And to that extent, I mean, it's sort of it's. Its success is already kind of predetermined in that sense. I also think, yeah, probably be too long, you know, a few too many plot points, all that kind of stuff we can pick We apart. will see. We <laughs> will see. We will see. I can't wait, obviously. Well, let, let's talk Bond. Yes. So, Spectre. Spectre. Now, as that movie was unfolding, I was like... Well, first of all, let's. I thought it had a terrible title sequence. I hated it. Oh my god! I hated the title. Burning, and the song. burning Bond, the song and the women was putting it out. Was no, this was not gross. one of the most sexist Bond movies in years? Did I miss it, something? Well, it, it wasn't. Come on, Lea Seydoux, whose face conjures memories of cinematic rebellion by virtue of Blue's The Warmest Color alone, was such an underdeveloped character. I mean, I thought we were past that point where they just sort of hide in his shadow, right? She was a doctor. Oh, yeah. Nice that they threw in that plot point. I mean, I thought she was going to kick ass, but it, you don't, you never really get to that point. In fact, yeah. if anyway, she's sort of subservient to everything that he does, and it just felt like such a kind of She mishmash. was smart, though. I mean, at least she was smart, and she was a doctor, and she, you know, the, and he was genuine. He was treating her with respect, you know. He, he, well, what he about was, the other woman he slept with? What was, what was I loved deal? that, though, because she, first of all, it's Monica, uh, listen to me, Monica Bellucci. She's older. For two seconds. And and you know it was a quickie, but but it was it was she was gonna die, you know, and she and she went for it. All right, well, let's I, not I spoil it, it too she much. She has <laughs> she has every right. She has every right to screw James Bond. If but she it, but is she screwing him or is he screwing her? I, mean, I saw it, it that way. Dude. And then what about the cheeky joke? Sorry, spoiler alert. He makes a cheeky joke about a juice bar and the shaken, not stirred thing. I mean, it just this movie felt like it was trying to do what you were saying before, like hitting those beats and also having fun with them. I thought it did hit them. I thought it did hit them until, first of all, it's gorgeously, that whole Day of the Dead opening sequence, that shot, that that incredibly long shot. Opening shot shot of this movie is the reason to see it. I wanted it to keep going. I loved it. I There's loved almost no it. He's dialogue. Running across, you know, he's just running across this parapet. It looks real. It looks damn real to me, you know. And and you know, it's it, he, he's athletic and he's and, and and the whole thing is fun to watch visually and and the music is is great. But you get to uh, a certain point with this with the plot and the villain played by Christoph Waltz, and it it just doesn't work. The, the whole villain thing was, was oh, disappointing terrible. to me. Is this another Christoph Waltz bad guy? He did that in the Green and Hornet. I mean, I, he did I that know in, it's uh, done. It's done. Too many other things. Yeah, I'm afraid so. so. Not but, Mads you know. Mikkelsen. We liked Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> in any case, people will probably go see that. How's Trumbo going to do? That's also opening this weekend. What's interesting to me about Trumbo is how well it's playing in, I don't know how it's playing in New York, but in academy circles and, you know, screenings, it's playing very well here. It played very well for my class. They loved it. And uh, I just have a feeling, I know it's a brutal, brutal box office weekend. I mean, Trumbo is opening the same weekend as Brooklyn and Spotlight, which I had last weekend, last week in my class, and it played through the roof. It's huge. But um, it's just hard to uh, get a purchase on 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 the kind of attention you need to pull in 
audiences. Once they see it, they like it, and they'll spread good word of mouth. But um, it's kind of an also-ran at this point. It looks like it. I'm just curious to see how it plays with well, audiences. I, I mean, certainly it's, it's received approval from the industry for dealing with a, a, a touchy subject matter in a way that's also relatively accessible. And so it's it going for it. People like Brian Cranston. He seems to do a good job of kind of enunciating the concerns of the movie without being you know, polemical or, or pretending that he knows more than anybody else. So it seems to hold, hold some potential for, for being a, a movie that people will still talk about in spite of this busy season. I want it to do well. I really think it's well. I think Jay Roach and, and the, the writer, John McMurray, did, did, a, did a great job with, with what could have been, as you say, a ponderous subject. The movie's entertaining and it's fun and the actors are great. But um, I just don't think it's going to get very far on the Oscar side of the ledger. It has such competition, and uh, we'll see. So what you're saying is Tangerine has a better shot. (laughs) Still going. Uh, (laughs) Nominated for Best Film at the Gotham's, folks. Transgender, never been nominated for On my tempest, I keep saying that, and it's true. (laughs) Well, until next week, and you have a lot more AFI stuff to get to, so we'll have a whole bunch more stuff to discuss next week. Take it easy out there. You too, Eric. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.